outside the confines. Hmm. I'll take that one. You know, as church has gone past generations and generations and generations, we've, uh, we've come to a place that that's the only place the church operates is inside the confines of church. Am I live? I don't know. Am I live? Let's go live. I don't know. Facebook, you lucky they asked me. I wouldn't have went live if they didn't ask me. I would have just went on. But we have operated inside the confines of a church for so long that I'm afraid we don't know what it is to operate in the glory of heaven. We think that inside of our four walls of our church, that is all in which we experience. See, we come to church to experience God on a Sunday or a Wednesday or whenever we have church, but we, we come to church to experience God on those days. And I think what we've done is we've taken some words and I think we flipped them around because we should be coming here to pour out back to the Father and we should go out there to experience God. See, we experience God when the glory comes. When the glory comes, that's when you see signs and wonders. That's when you see healings and salvations and miracles. But we come to the church and we think that the glory of God fell because somebody may have cried this morning. And blessed be to God, we experienced God. And uh, I think this is a timely word for us. If not for a lot. We have tried, and I've, I've desperately tried. I'm not scared to say that. I've, I've desperately tried to figure out how, God, how can we even structure a church inside of what we're experiencing in the world right now? How, how I, only God knows how Moses was able to handle a million of y'all. Because I can't handle 15. And then we got all the world we have to deal with. All at the same time. And don't you know that everybody has problems? And, and here, here I stand in front of God going, <laughs> the Elijah excuse, God is just me. I can't do no more. And God wants us to stretch God wants to move us from where we, where we consciously operate to where we should be operating unconsciously. And what I mean by that is we're doing, not even knowing that we're doing. But we're so concerned about what we're doing and what we know that we're doing that we don't give God the opportunity to help us operate over there doing something that we don't even know what we're doing. Because we're, we're, well, I've got to go to church on Sunday morning at 9 o'clock. And I've got to, and i got to, and i got to, and i got We get to church, and I've talked about this before. We, we get to church, and we're so consumed with our duties at church that we forgot about why we're even here. 
See, we're so consumed in our duties at church, we'll look at things and do things and we're not even hearing the word. And the whole point is to come and grow. The whole point, the only reason you listen to teachers and pastors and preachers and prophets and evangelists and apostles, the only, the only reason is so that they edify the body, that they help lift you up and that they teach you to do the works of the kingdom. But we're so consumed with what we do inside the confines of the church, we're not even hearing what the pastor's saying or the preacher. We're not listening to any of that. Well, bless the Lord. We're not, we're not listening to any of that. We're, we're tied up in other things that's happening. Well, we can't do this or we got to make sure that, oh, this has got to be queued up at the right time and we have to make sure and, oh, I've got to get this done before and, oh, I, I just don't have time. I've got to go get. And we leave. Let's go to Luke first. Or Acts, I'm sorry. Tommy thought I changed up on him. He almost had a heart attack. Luke, you didn't tell me Luke. Check this out. It says, but some of the sect of the Pharisees who believed talking about church people church folk the ones that's organized and orchestrated churches and denominations and and how we do church and how we structure church and how we can grow church and how it should be done when we do church and these are the people that they're talking about right here this is the sect of the pharisees the religious crowd if you will who believed, rose up saying, it is necessary to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of... Boy, oh boy, oh boy. Religion didn't know he was getting kicked in the teeth this morning. And to command them to keep the law of Moses. See, that's the church. The church thinks that the only way that you can be a part of the body of Christ is that you go and do it the way we've always done it. I might speak with a little ambition this morning. But I'm tired of the way we've always done it. And I'm not talking about the reverence of God. Because see... David even had to learn that. We'll, we'll look into that too. But David had to even learn the process of how you, you don't just go to God any old way you want to. He is sovereign. He is holy. He is God. But we take it upon ourselves to do it any old way we want to. So we have set it up. We've structured it. Remember with the board and the big wheels? <laughs> That's how we've structured it. We, we have to, we got to control, we got to do. So the Pharisees are saying, wait a minute, the Gentiles hold, time out, wait a minute. If they're going to be saved, if they're going to be included into the body of Christ, 
They must be circumcised. See, that was the outward evidence of an inward work in that time, that men be circumcised as Jews, that they were marked. Now the apostles and the elders came together to consider the witness just like church. Ain't it just like church? What a pastor wants to do something, well, wait, pastor, we need to go and wait a minute. We need to have a meeting. Can we get the can we get the board and the big wheels so we can define what can be and what can't be? A lot of people are gonna hate me after this one. Now the apostles and the elders, they came together to consider this matter. And when they had begun, or when they had been, much dispute, Peter rose up. I love it. You got to remember who Peter was now. Peter's already preached. Peter has already worked outside the confines. Well, it was a good title from the Holy Spirit this morning. And when there had been much dispute, Peter rose up and said to them, Men and brethren, you know that a good while ago God chose among us that by my mouth. See, he wasn't doing here. One thing you cannot argue with someone's testimony. You can argue scripture all day long, but you can't tell me what God's done in my life. You, oh, you might, you might be able to tell me something. But you can't argue with me about what God done for me and in me. Who are you? So Peter brings the testimony to the pulpit. I can see it. All right, guys. My turn to speak. God chose among us that by my mouth the Gentiles the unsaved, the outcast, the dogs. They were, they were known as dogs. Should hear the word of the gospel and believe. So God who knows the heart. See, I'm not talking about your scrolls and your mandates and your operation manual and this man... Get mad. Who knows the heart acknowledged them by giving them the whole. He's saying they heard the gospel. They received Jesus Christ and he gave them the Holy Spirit. But they wasn't circumcised. They wasn't, they ain't been told yet to obey the law of Moses. <laughs> Just as he did to us, the Jews, his chosen, his apostles. I mean, if anybody's going to be mad about this thing, about outsiders receiving, it should have been the apostles. Because they were the one that sacrificed all they had. Some left their families to follow Jesus. 
They've been with Jesus. Well, come on. See, I know y'all busy, but if you walked in the shoes of a pastor sometime, you might go, Lord have mercy, how in the world is he standing up? He didn't drove me around all week long. Can you imagine how Jesus kept him on the, I mean, Jesus was going in the garden. Boy, can't you stay awake for like five minutes? Just trying to pray. I'm asking you to pray with me and you sleeping. If anybody was going to be mad, it should have been them. Go on, wait a minute. How in the world can they get the same thing I get and they ain't gone through? Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. And made no distinction between us and them. Purifying their hearts by faith. Now therefore, why do you test God by putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? You're trying to put a yoke on my neck that ain't nobody been able to maintain, I mean, 600 and some laws. Can't walk more than this many steps in a day. And you got about 1,500 times in the middle. I mean, come on. He's saying you can't put this on people. We haven't been able to do it. But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved in the same manner as they. Then all the multitude kept silent and listened to Barnabas and Paul. They were declaring how many miracles and wonders God had worked through them among the Gentiles. And after they had become silent, oh, Brother James. <laughs> The least, I love him because he hits you right in the mouth. James don't care. Tighten up your tongue. That's the way James will talk to you. James answered saying, men and brethren, it was time for him to come and stand behind the pulpit. He, he said, hear ye, hear ye. Listen to me. Simon has declared how God at the first visit had first visited the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And with this, the words of the prophets agree. He's talking about this. What, what's happening? What's taking place? What's going on? The Gentiles are being saved. They're receiving the Holy Spirit. He, James is going, wait a minute, time out. This isn't anything new. Let me remind you. Just as it was written. I'm going to take you there in just a minute. He's, he's, he's going to take them right back to where it was written. After this, well, let's, I'll tell you what. Yeah, I'll do this and then I'll go to where he's talking about. After this, I will return and we'll rebuild the tabernacle of David. which has fallen down. Y'all remember that, the tabernacle of David. I will rebuild its ruins and I will set it up so that the rest of mankind 
may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who does all these things. James said, time out. Hang on. This is what's happening. You don't understand it and you're wanting to argue about it and you're wanting to explain this. Let me take you to Scripture. Amos chapter 9. Verse 11, on that day, this is Amos talking, some 700 years prior, this is Amos talking, on that day I will rise up the tabernacle of David. Here he goes. Boy, it's the tabernacle of David. <laughs> Which has fallen down and repair its damages. I will raise up its ruins and rebuild it in the days of old that they may possess the remnant of Edom. And all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who does this thing. James said, I know what's happening. We are in the midst of a prophecy taking place and being fulfilled. Amos talked about this. Here we are. I'll rebuild the tabernacle of David. See, if, if I just left it there, we wouldn't understand it. Really wouldn't gather a whole lot from it because I'm just talking about the tabernacle of David. A lot of us automatically went to, went to a structure rebuilding the tabernacle of David, like the walls of Jerusalem. We, we go to a structure immediately when everything is written in the Bible is spiritually, and you shouldn't, well... You, we should be looking and viewing that spiritually all the way through from Genesis to Revelations. It's spiritual. It, listen to me, your flesh will not live. Your flesh will die. God's not concerned about if you're fat or thin. Thank God to that. <laughs> Healthy or unhealthy. He, he's concerned about your, where will your spirit abide? The day I call you home. It's spiritual. So when we're looking at the tabernacle of David, we are, we are looking at the comparison of what it actually stands for. What is this symbolic of? It's not so much the, the structure of the tabernacle of David. God, God's not concerned with that. He's concerned with what it means. See, we have been tied up in, up until this point, the tabernacle of Moses. Remember the temple of Moses? The one that God said, this is how I want you to build it. Oh, I wish. You got keys to my office? My top first or second drawer on the left, there might be a tape measure. I want that. And hurry up, because you're holding, you're holding up Facebook and YouTube. <laughs> but we're, we were, we're, we've, been, we've been held up in this tabernacle of Moses. This, we're talking about the Pharisees. Now, they're still operating under this temple, this, this tabernacle of Moses. The one which God come and told Moses exactly how to build, what to do with this and how to structure this. 
Here again, we're not so concerned about the structure. We're more concerned about the symbolism of what it represents. So I've got to get you into a spiritual mode and get you out of your, if you weren't here Wednesday, your carnal. Boy, I would highly recommend you come on Wednesday because I speak real free on Wednesday. You think I speak free on Sunday. So we're talking about the tabernacle of David. This is what God said, I'll rebuild. I'm going to take his ruins. What has fallen? Okay, let's go to tabernacle of Moses. Okay, tabernacle of Moses, God visits Moses and he says, I want you to build it and I want you to build it like this. And I want you to build it like this. And he giving measurements. He told him exactly how high, how wide, how deep, where to set things, how to place things. And oh, he had a, a division of a subdivision of a subdivision because there was an inner court and an outer court, the Holy of Holies. See, there was one thing that tied us in the tabernacle of Moses. It tied us from actually being revealed to God because it kept God behind the curtain. Come on. Come on. Oh, we want to talk to you about God, but we don't ever want to show you how to get to him. I want you to get to him so you ain't got to come and ask me about it. You just go right on in. You're one less person I got to fool with because <laughs> you're right here now. <laughs> See, I can just come by and just pat you on the back and say glory to God. And you got it all on Right? Right? That, 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 is my, that is my goal. That is my ambition. Is that we mature, that we grow. Boy, I wish he was here. And, and Moses had to build this thing a certain way. Man, the curtain had to be so thick. I mean, everything had to be built just like God told him to build it. See, this come out of what God told Moses to do at that point. And what it's representing basically is letting us know in this representation of that temple is that we, on our own good merit, can't have a rightful relationship with God. That's why God set this thing up initially for us to let us know that without Him, oh, we were limited. The outer courts was the closest you were coming. You couldn't get there. They would hold you back. You can't go. Only the high priest, scared as they were, were the only ones able to access behind the curtain. So the tabernacle of Moses is set up with dimensions. Yeah, let's do it. And David's tent, the tent of David. I mean, come on. We're, we're talking about a hammock, a sleeping bag, and four sticks. I mean, that's what you, that's what you talk. This was the tent of David. And guess what you can't find? This tabernacle of David was 
was a desire from David's heart of what David thought that God would want us to minister to him. How we would minister to God. How we could have a relationship with him. See, it was like, a, it was like an Old Testament, a New Testament thing right in the same Old Testament. But he was just foreshadowing. He was letting us know that there was not going to be any limitations. You, you, you're not refrained now to just the outer court. Oh, you'll, you'll get it in a minute. You'll get it and the Holy Spirit going to slap you right beside the head right when you get it. And you're going to scream and throw a book or something. Just don't throw it at me. So here's David. He's going, God, I want to, remember? God, I want to build your tabernacle. I wanna, remember? I want to build it. He said, no. See, oh, because what he was, oh. Because see, if he would have gone and said, God, I want to build it too. He would have done just like the churches are doing today. Well, I'm going to say before the pandemic. I'm not going to say right now because there's really not a whole lot there that you can measure and mark from because the churches don't know how to do this right now. You can't run down the street now and measure up that church. Oh, so you're doing church on Saturdays and Sundays. Oh, you've got two services in the morning and your praise team, they got trumpets too. And oh, you're doing like three songs instead of two. You do or you don't have altar call. Well, I mean, you see, you can't go and measure now. You can't go and measure what was now. Now it's something that God is saying. It's got to be outside the confines. It, it's not based on everything that's happened in the past. You can't go and measure up to another church and bring a church alive. You're going to have to go outside the confines. You're going to have to be able to experience God on a total different level. It can't be just like everybody else. build this tent and all you're wanting to do you're wanting to experience God based on well that's how it used to be well if you want to sit up here and travail for days when God said you're not a beggar How are you measuring up in your life? You looking at somebody else? Going, well, they, they ain't come looking. Is that what we're doing? Is that, what, is that how you're measuring your experience with God Almighty? Based on what others are experiencing? Or have you opened yourself up? Have you gone inside? See, there is something, man. Go to Zechariah. Then I raised my eyes and looked, and behold, a man with a measuring line in his hand. So I said, where are you going? And he said to me, to measure Jerusalem. To see what its width and what is its length. And there was the angel who talked with me going out, and another angel come out to meet him, who said to him, run. Speak to this young man saying, Jerusalem. Jerusalem shall be inhabited 
as towns without walls. Because of the multitude of men and livestock in it. For I say the Lord will be a wall of fire all around her. And I will be the glory in her midst. You are Jerusalem. You are inhabited. By a God. And you have no limits with him. There is no wall set 50 meters in front of you, and that's as far as you can go. There is no ceiling gone 20 feet high, and that's as far as you can go. God said that there's going to be a Jerusalem without wall. You can't put a measuring stick to it. We've got to stop trying to measure what's going on in the world to dictate what we're going to do in the church. We've got to stop worrying about what's going on around the other countries when we can't fix what's inside the church because we're still operating in a church with walls. And he says, I am going to rebuild the tabernacle of David. Wow, I mean, you could have picked. Can you imagine how grand the tabernacle of Moses was? How beautiful it must have been crafted. And he picked a tent of David. The reason. And see, David's tent crumbled. It went away. Went back to religion. Come on, when David came, he said, I want the Lord's presence. The, tab- the tent of David was structured one open area. See, you, you don't care, but if you was outside of the love of God at the moment, you were not in the grace of God at the moment then you would have gotten excited about that because that open area means there's no restrictions everybody even your old wretched self your filthy rag carrying self your nasty self even you could come in and dance with David in the presence of see you oh You've gotten so tied up on how I can get to where I want to be. You want a magic formula, and God's saying, listen to me. Listen to me. You'll worship with me. You'll praise with me. It's open. You have a, because, this is Peter and the other disciples after Pentecost. So that means it's after Christ, death, burial, and resurrection. God is saying, I'm going to rebuild the tabernacle. Here it is. Here it it is. David's temple is alive and well. Here it is. What are you so hung up on? The structure of how you've got to enter a sanctuary now? Are you bringing your offerings? Are you bringing your sacrifices? Are you bringing your praise? He said, I will inhabit. And we're so tied up 
with what everybody else is doing so that we can be just like them. Here's what I say to that. G-rated, of course. Blah. I don't want to do what you're doing. Eric, I'm sorry. I, I don't want to do what you're doing because, see, God's got something different for me. I, I don't want to be where you are. I want to be where I'm supposed to be because God's got something different for me. You shouldn't want to be anywhere I am because God's got something different for you. And how dare I preach, or anybody else for that matter, tell you where you should be in Christ. Now, I will tell you this. You should be maturing, right, Bible, Bible readers? Yeah, you, you should be maturing daily. But I can't tell you where you need to be. I just don't know how high in heaven God's going to take you. I don't know what he can trust you with. Only he does. This is why clicks are so bad for churches. Because you're a friend and we hang out and we might go do some stuff. I'm going to put you in a place that you ain't designed to be. You're not equipped to be. I'm not talking about equipped with, with diplomas and such. I'm being equipped by the Holy Spirit of God to operate and function in that which I'm trying to set you in. And what's going to happen? Your wheels are going to fall off. Or mine. <laughs> and I would much rather stop getting out of a car on the side of the road. And putting another tire in because I have one blowout. So I don't want to put you where God don't want you. See, my man, I've always said this too. One of my biggest problems, not, not just mine, but any, any, any visionary, the biggest thing that we struggle with is just that, being a visionary. Because I can see it. And if I can see it, ask my wife. If I can see it, I want it. I know. I want it. I seen my wife. I want her. And I went and got her. Still with her. 29 years. So maybe going after what you want ain't so bad. Now I ain't going to tell you about the 12 years of hell we had on the trying to tell us that there are things that we can't measure. See, when David went and got the, when he went and got the ark and he put it on that cart, where did he get that idea from? That was never instructed to the Israelites. Ever. To handle the presence of God in such a manner. You don't handle God's presence with man-made Equipment. He got it from the Philistines. Because the Philistines got away with it. They stole the ark and was running around with it on the car and nobody died. 
That's because they was operating out of ignorance and God wasn't holding. Uh-oh, Christian, hello, wake up. Hey, 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 wake up, wake up, wake up. Don't go to sleep right now, listen. When you operate out of ignorance, that's where God's grace is effective. Because if you don't do what you know not to do, now you're spitting in the face of grace. Now you're just relying on mercy. Because <laughs> daddy's coming, you're just hoping that he wore it out on the last two brothers and sisters of yours before he made it to you and hoping he's tired and he won't give it to you as bad. But I'm telling you now, David took off in knowledge and understanding, but he went and done it the wrong way. That is why. What's wrong with churches? Have we gotten some man-made wagons from the world? Oh, the world does it like this with concerts and I'm not bashing. I love a good praise and worship band. One that's in tune with spirit. I love oh, one that's anointed. Oh, not just talented, anointed. You can go to the bar and get talented people and play the strings off of them things. Good. But it's just talent. We want anointing on that. See, that's why, that, okay, okay, you want to measure up your church. Well, so-and-so, they've got homosexual leaders. Yeah, I'll probably get banned, but it's okay. They got homosexual leaders leading their praise and worship. It just seems to be the thing, so that's what I'm going to do. Nope. You better, you better throw, you better break it. You better tie it in knots. You better throw it. You better get rid of it. You better stop. You better stop. What are we doing? God is calling us into the tabernacle of David where all can come to know the goodness of God. Where all can experience God's presence. Where all fall under God's glory. Gentile and Jew alike. Well, if you don't tithe, you can't come to church on Wednesday. I need to see your W-2s at the end of the year. You can't be a member. Come on, y'all think I'm lying to you. Y'all think I'm lying. So tell me again. Saba black sheep, have you any wool? Nope, they cut it all off of me. But this is what's happening. And we're wondering why. We just do it, we'll just do it like the Pharisees did it, because then 
it was only obligation once a year. So we go hang out in the bars and strip clubs and bedtime with hookers while our wife's at home with kids. And, uh, oh, I'm coming. Just hang on right up in your living room. We're going to live like hell every day of our life. And on Christmas or Easter, we'll go. And because the pastor says, if you don't know the Lord or you need to be reintroduced, you come to the front and I'll pray a prayer with you. Uh, you can repeat it after me. Well, that was the problem the last time, sir. They repeated your prayer and not the prayer that the Holy Spirit give them the unction to do. That's why there is no change. Oh, you can change habitual stuff in your life all day long. You can quit smoking if you want to. You can stop drinking if you want to. Put your mind, you can do just about anything that you want, that you want to do in life. You, you can pretty much do it. I'm just, I'm here to tell you that you can. Because it's all habitual. But when there's a spiritual change on the inside, there ain't but one that can do that. It doesn't matter how many times you go to church, how many times you give offering, it doesn't matter anything. Because you're not no more saved next week, Dawn, than you are yesterday. You're the same saved saint. All you're trying to do is express the love that you have for God. That's Oof, I can make y'all understand that one. Don't come to church to, just so I won't call. Come to church because you love God. Come to church because you want to be around like-minded saints. Come to church because you know that there might be somebody sitting next to you this morning that needs a smile, a love, a handshake, a dap, a clap, or something. Maybe a couple dollars. Right? You better listen to God. You, you better stop this nonsense of trying to measure your life based on somebody else because we are limiting the access that God has in our life by pulling out measuring tools and measuring everything else around us. Well, my conference, well, my conference, well, this church, well, that church, well, this Christian, well, that Christian, well, this pastor, well, that pastor, they're wearing skinny jeans. I can't wear skinny jeans. <laughs> so if you coming to measure up old pastor boy, trust and believe he ain't going to be in skinny jeans. That might be a little snug, but they're getting loose now, though, right? That's what I'm talking about. But when I start busting too many sags, they go change. Because I don't do that either. I don't need that. My, my life don't have to be walked according to yours. My life's not going to be walked according to yours. But most Christians are living their life based on every other Christian around them. Come on, tell me I'm lying. Just tell me I'm lying and I'll stop. See, we get hooked into churches. We do it the way that church wants to do it. We, we call it building a culture. There's only one culture. It's the culture of the kingdom. And if you can't get in with that, bye. I, Jesus is the only person 
that could ever set a stage or a platform for us to enter into the presence of God. That, that's, that's it. There is nothing else out there that's going to take care of that. You might live a, a wholesome life because you, you, you don't smoke weed and you know, you know what I mean? You may, you may not abort babies and you, may, you might do the good things. You know, the good thing. How many of you know that there, there, there are some things that are good in the eyes of man? But they lead to ways of destruction. You better be careful about living a good life. Because your good life may be taking you to hell and you don't even know it. I know a lot of good people. That ain't nowhere close to God. Well, Pastor, how can you say that? Are you measuring them? You'll know them by the fruits. Y'all got mad at me this morning, ain't you? Just, just mad. Just mad at the pastor for just, just mad. I'm trying to get you outside of your confine. You can live better. You can. You can. I'm telling you, you can. If you stop living it the way everybody else wants you to live. Because see, it causes anger and frustration and bitterness and strife and division. That's all that covers. Because I can't, I can't measure up to that person, so I'm not going to go to church anymore. You're going to let one you're going to let one Pharisee keep you out of heaven. Because that's what you're dealing with. I'll call you like I see you. I got a Facebook account too. I check you out. Rolling in the club. Where's your wife? I see at the house with the kids. Being caught without your wedding ring. I ain't stepping on your foot, boy. Don't be so scared. Don't be so fearful. The ones that wear it all the time, you can see that white stripe from there. I guarantee it. Hey, you still married? Uh, <laughs> tell them what you say. Give them an excuse. Tell me that. Yeah, I, I lost it. Where's your wife at? Oh, she at the house. Boy, you better be glad you was at the hospital. <laughs> Woo! That could have got ugly, boy. <laughs> That could have been a phone call. Hey, do you know what your man's <laughs> Oh, that can y'all better be careful. But that's what we listen, man, we, we live in a secret life. Not understanding. Or we give no regard to it. That God sees everything. See, we just can't fathom that because it's way above our pay grade. And, and rightfully so. I'm, I'm with you. I, get, I have a real hard time. 
sees it all. And here's the best part about it. <laughs> oh, boy, I love the Holy Spirit. Because he ain't looking at what you've done. Here's, come on, religion. He ain't looking at what you did. He's looking at the heart that caused you to do it. Some of you need the Holy Spirit. I'm just saying. Don't look at the outward appearance. He's checking your heart. Because oh, be careful to guard your heart because out of it a flow the issues of life. <laughs> I ain't got no issues, Pastor. You got a thumping gizzard, then. I'll drink to that. <laughs> Are y'all with me? I'm done. I took you down a short little trail this morning, didn't I? But boy, it was rich. Why don't you let God construct the temple of David in your life? And stop being confined to the outer courts of the tabernacle of Moses. See, oh. <laughs> wow. The only thing they got to experience out here was the smell of burnt flesh. And blood. Is that what you want in life? You want everything to smell bad in your life? Bless you. Bless you. In the name of Jesus. But you see what I'm saying? Man, we're hanging out in the tabernacle. Getting circumcised. Okay, maybe not so graphic. Going to church on Sunday. Does that feel better? God, he wants to open you up. There's things in your life that is waiting for experience. It's waiting. you think things have got to be done a certain way in your life you're tying God's hands because you've gone back to sacrifices you've gone back to Tom instead of Todd Tom is the tabernacle of Moses Todd is the temple or the tent of David that's the way I can remember you got to do, look, in this little mind, you got to do everything you can do to keep everything on track. And even then, it's a lot of tripping and stumbling. Was I closing on the scripture? Or did I already do that? I think we did it, didn't we? Man, I've, I've, I feel like I ain't preached two minutes. 
It had been a while. <laughs> I don't even know what time we started, but I thought it was like two, two, five minutes. I don't know. Don't have a clock. Don't want one. So there's where we're at. So I'm going to trust that you will trust God enough to allow him to show you the tent of David where everybody is welcome. See, when you're in the tent of David, you've got to be willing to accept all. Oh, <laughs> all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You've got to be willing to let them all in. If you're going to stand in there, <laughs> Ooh, me and Debbie, I was just talking about my stress level. and whew, I can't tend with some people, Debbie. I said, but we prayed for them. <laughs> we got them. So you deal with it. I'm not going to be perfect. By no means am I trying to ever tell you I'm going to be perfect. I'm going to fall. I'm just asking that you extend grace my way as often as you ask. Say it louder so the people in the back can hear it. We want grace extended, but we don't want to extend grace. Well, you're the pastor. Yep. Walking in flesh, just like you. So when you start saying stuff to me like that, I'm going to start throwing it back. Yep. And you're supposed to be a child of the king. Oh, the stones. You can throw them too. I mean, let's go home. I had a good time. I, this kind of excited me. Because God made a way for me that I don't have to be limited by man. Structures can't confine me. I can worship God how I want to worship God and can't nobody say nothing about it. And if it's wrong, guess who's going to correct me? If I've got any kind of relationship, if I spend any amount of time with he's going to... See, y'all don't understand. There's times I want to say stuff. He goes, now, you know you can't say that, man, but God, it's so good. No. Yes, sir. Because I know if I do, boy, I'm going to get wrecked when I get to the house. Not by Debbie. He's going to work me on a patio. I know it. Right when I'm chilling, iced tea on a nice bright Sunday, feet kicked up, and he goes, so let's talk. <laughs> 